Hello, welcome to episode 128 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom and Omnipod. You should go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to learn more. We're going to talk about those two wonderful products later in the show. But first, I need to tell you about today's episode. And to be perfectly honest, I don't even know what to call it yet. But let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a room having an experience? There's another person in there. Have you ever stopped to wonder what that person's experience is like? Like you're having these feelings, these thoughts, you see things as they're happening and they mean something to you based on your perspective. But if the other person was being honest, they would tell you that this moment is completely different for them because their views and their perspective are not like yours. So today we're going to talk to Heather and Heather is a certified diabetes educator and we're going to get the real look at what's happening on the other side of that room. When you're sitting on that exam table or sitting in that chair and there's somebody across from you and you're talking about your type 1 diabetes, you're talking about your child, what's that person thinking? What are their goals? What's their perspective on the situation? What are they trying to do? Because often it's not exactly the same as what you're hoping to accomplish. And this is amazingly interesting. Plus, and this is a big plus, about halfway in the show, Heather's going to she's going to let a genie out of the bottle. She's going to tell you something you didn't expect. You're going to be like, but I thought this episode had already given me so much, and now there's more. It's going to just keep giving and giving. I know I say this a lot, but this is my new favorite episode. That can't be true, right? But it feels like it is. Every time I edit one, I'm like, this was the best one we've ever done. I'm probably not being, um, well, they're all my children. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. That would be a t-shirt, wouldn't it? Speaking of t-shirts, I'm having Bold with Insulin t-shirts printed pretty soon, and there'll be more information about that coming up, but they're really cool, and um, I think you're going to like those too. That's it. Let's get to it. Play the music. My name is Heather Lage. I'm an RN and a certified diabetes educator. I've worked in pediatric diabetes since 2005. Um, it's actually my second career. My first college degree was in social work. I went back to school, became a nurse. I always dreamed of doing education and um, was really lucky to get a job at a great clinic. And so that was about 12 years ago, I guess. So. Well, that's crazy. How old were you when you decided you wanted to switch careers? Oh, I was still pretty young. Um, must have been about 24, 25. Okay. Yeah, so you got out of college and did something for a little while, and then you were like, this maybe isn't exactly what I wanted to do. And Yeah. Well, it was, um, yeah, I had an experience um, in my personal life, and I was exposed to some great care from nurses and just thought, you know, I wish I could do that and have that kind of impact on someone's life and thought, why not? <laughs> so I quit my job and went back to school. And How did you end up wanting to, well, so nursing, did nursing lead to being a diabetes educator or did you know right away you wanted to do the diabetes stuff? Well, my grandfather had type 1 diabetes, so um, he died when I was six, but diabetes was always talked about in our family quite a bit. Um, I always 
something that always intrigued me, I guess. Um, I remember seeing him get injections and um, people talking about it. So it was always interesting. I did happen to marry someone who had type 1 diabetes. We are no longer married, but um, it seems like diabetes has always been a part of my world. <laughs> and um, so I was drawn to diabetes education because I love the component of being able to work with a family, um, but also integrate that knowledge from the nursing background and kind of be a part of that journey. Right. My first job as a nurse was working with kids with cancer and loved that as well, um, but felt that it was time to move on to something different and, and a job opened up in a clinic. And so um, it just felt like it was the right time and the right place. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. And so you're, here I go with math, but are you in your late 30s now? I am 40. <laughs> so, yeah. You could, have, you could have said yes to late 30s. That would have been funny. I know. Yeah. My son told me last night, he's like, thou shalt never say the age of your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I just retold a story at a party this weekend where I lived this wonderful year of my life <clears throat> thinking that I was a year older than I actually was. And then, <laughs> so when my birthday came, my age didn't change. It was really... <laughs> It was a wonderful trick I played on myself. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's excellent. <laughs> the downside of it was watching my wife look at me and just utter like disgust. It's, She's like, how like, did you not know how old you were? And I was like, I, I don't know. I never really thought about it. So, <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. It was really. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pretend I'm five years older now for a while, I think. Oh, gosh. There you go. <laughs> um, so, so, okay. So you get married to a guy who had type one. Um, did you have kids with mm -hmm. him? Yes. Okay. Yep. We had two children. So your, two, your two children are yep. with a guy with type 1. Your grandfather had type 1. You become yeah. a, a diabetes educator. At yes. some point, you listen to my podcast. I don't think you always like what I say about diabetes educators. <laughs> I got that from, from the email. And I, I, I hope that I hope that it's – maybe I'm not being clear enough, but I don't imagine that every person's having the same experience in, um, in, their, in, their, in their visit – I just think that when I'm mean, just listen, there, here's how I feel about it. There's probably plenty of people coming out of their visits who are getting this like spectacular information. They're not listening to the podcast because they're not struggling trying to figure right. out how to get their blood sugar together. So I figure I'm mostly talking to people who are mostly having that 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 situation. Yeah. But you were very, you were very. You sent me an email, and the email was like, "Hey, I love the podcast, and blah blah blah." And by the way, I don't always agree with you. And I was like, "Oh," I was like, "Okay." I was like, "Well, I don't. I I, I wouldn't expect everyone to agree with me." This was how I think I, I responded back to you. So, tell me some of the stuff that probably pisses you off while you're listening to the podcast, and, and, and tell me why. No, well, I wouldn't say anything angers me in any way. <laughs> and I have to say, I fully understand where many of your stories or people's stories are coming from. I've had similar experiences with conversations or even um, in my job working with different people in the field. So I'm more than aware of the variety of people and care that you can get. <laughs> so, um, and I have equal frustration at times. So, but no, I think, um, well, first I'd like to say, I, I, and I said this in my email, but I do more than anything appreciate your well, two things. One, how you really encourage families to be very involved in their child's diabetes care and to be aware. And um, I think the people listening to your podcast, that's just where they're coming from. So that's a good place. And also to not be afraid of insulin. Um, I give that message as well. And I think people don't always, they're afraid. And when they hear it from another parent, such as yourself, I think 
it resonates with them more and they have more trust. So I appreciate that. I would say at times I'll hear you say things. I'll be like, oh, um, I'll give you an example. I think yeah. one day you were saying something about Arden's blood sugar at school and that it was 125. And you're like, 125 is fine, but why not 95? And so you texted her to take a little, um, just a little bump to bump it down. And while that's valid, the part of me as the educator and working with different kids, I think to myself like, oh, what is that child hearing in that message? And um, can we just let it be 125 and not bugger another time about blood sugars or diabetes? And, um, you know, that finding that balance between control and living with this disease and the emotional side of it. And so there's that struggle. Um, you know, I always want to see good control, but I also deal with a lot of patients that really struggle emotionally with their disease. And so that's finding that balance, I guess. No. Yeah. And there's, you know, I think about this all the time. It's, it's great that you bring that up. So I think about this one concept all the time that and not maybe just about diabetes too, but about everything, you know, there's, See, see how valid I can get this out of my head without, you know, without <laughs> muddling at the idea. But it's the world, right? The world is what it is. And it is different for a person living in my town than two towns over and five states over. And everybody's world is a, is a little different, right? Mm-hmm. And, and everybody has a different set of skills. Everyone's brain fires a different way. Everyone's concept of what is, is different. And so no one's path is valid for everybody. And as much as what you're saying makes a ton of sense to me that there are people in the world who are, are struggling with, with maybe the pressure of diabetes or the emotional side, like you're talking about in this moment, that's not a reality for me. And so Mm -hmm. I can talk, I could talk to somebody else who, who is, and I've done that, but I can't speak to that personally. Like I can only tell like our perspective from our story, like, do you, you right. know what I mean? And so, absolutely. and so when yeah. I give that, adv- when I, I give that like story of like, Hey, she's 125, let's bump it to 90. All of the people who aren't struggling with the emotional part, I feel like mm-hmm. it's helping them. And at the same time, I am cognizant to think that if there are people who out there are struggling, who already feel pressure, they don't want more pressure. And then, so then here comes the question, right? And this is, perfect to ask of you because we talk about this all the time when people are like, why didn't my diabetes educator tell me this? And I always say, I think that it's, it's like, sometimes I call it least common denominator doctoring, but it's more about like, you don't know who it is you're really talking to. You don't know their life specifically. Mm -hmm. And so you're giving advice that safely works for everyone. And what I'm saying is that some people are looking for sped up advice and yeah. and I'd like that to be available to those people, mm-hmm. not discounting that the people who are either not ready for that or, or having struggles or whatever. And so it, it becomes like that sort of idea. Like, do you take a classroom full of 30 kids and teach to the kid who's learning the slowest? And what happens to the 10 kids who need it more or the 15 kids in the middle who could do with a little more? Like... Like that's, mm-hmm. that's my, that's always my, my struggle with it, I guess. Yeah. Right. No, and I agree with you fully. And that's why I think the challenge of my job is to individualize the care. Mm-hmm. And I think I, and again, it's everyone, diabetes is individual and everyone's experience is unique to themselves. And 
I am in some ways making a judgment call without seeing or talking to Arden. And I would never do that with a patient. I usually get a parent and a child in a room together and you have to be very attuned to body language and responses and then advocate for both sides of the story. And if things are working well, I mean, I'll give you an example. Years ago, when I was first doing this, we had a patient who was testing um, before sensors. So it was testing nearly 20 times a day. Wow. In, in order to get that many test strips, we had to write letters to the insurance to get that approved. Mm. So I would go to the doctor and be like, are you willing to do this? And many of them, their response was, well, that's crazy. They need to stop checking her so often. And I would come back at times and be like, well, potentially, but they seem to be doing really well. Her control is excellent. Their A1C is good. Everyone seems mentally okay (laughs) at what point are we in putting our you know if it's working okay for them then why should we stop that if someone was saying like if the child was crying or upset saying I don't want to be tested so often then that would be my job to talk to the parent and be like let's find a happy balance here but the child wasn't saying that and it was a good lesson for me as an educator to say you know while I may not necessarily give that advice to somebody Mm -hmm. If that's what's working for you, then let's find a way to, you know, keep moving forward, but to to help you in what's working for you. And Yeah. And here's the other side of that idea. Like I used to be before a sensor, a, a glucose monitor, I was the guy who was like, I was testing 10 times a day and always, oh, yeah. always at really weird times too. Like I, you know, <laughs> like the, 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 I'd go in and my, and my, my nurse practitioner would be like, why did you test a half an hour out after lunch? And, uh, and she's like, didn't you think she'd be high? And I was like, yeah, but did, I want to know how high and like, why? Like, how can I figure it out if I don't see where it's going, you know? And, yeah. and at the same time, that was for me, it wasn't out of fear. It wasn't because I was paranoid or like crazed or anything like that. I was mm-hmm. just trying to figure I I could feel a bigger picture just beyond my understanding. And I was trying to push through to it. Um, yeah. and, and so I guess the, the thought there is, is that if, if you're doing it, out of fear, that is something that needs to be talked about. But it's interesting because you're in, a, you're put in a position, right, where you have to mm-hmm. say to somebody, "Listen, you need to mentally have a nice life, and <laughs> and you need to medically have a nice life." But how? Where do you decide where to draw the line? Like, let's say, yeah. let's say I could live with more pressure, but live twenty years longer, or live with less pressure and. I don't know, have some serious retinopathy in my late thirties. Like, like, mm-hmm. like that's a weird decision to make because you are, you know, I don't want mm-hmm. to feel like making you feel crappy or anything, but like you are making those decisions for people in some regard, right? Like you're saying to them, let's give a little bit of this away now, maybe, and we'll trade it for a little bit of that later. And, well, and but I get that. Like I get if someone's struggling so heartily on one side of it, there's no long-term value in, in making them, you know, just, yeah. yeah, fall apart right now. Like, well, yeah. and typically if they're struggling to that degree, they're, they're not taking care of themselves or they are manipulating. Th- I mean, I can't tell you the number of times where kids have come in and um, they're falsifying blood sugars or they're missing insulin doses and their parents are struggling to find a way to help them. Hey, we're going to get back to Heather in just a moment. But first, let's talk about the sponsors, the people that are keeping the lights on here, the Juice Box Podcast. I want to start today with Dexcom. 
Listen, so much is going on with Dexcom, but first I have to ask you, do you know what it is? Do you know what a continuous glucose monitor is? It's this great little device. You hear us talking about it on the podcast all the time, how I use it in Arden's day-to-day management. You can see her blood sugar moving. You can see how fast it's going, what direction it's going in. It is insanely valuable when you're trying to manage something as slippery as type 1 diabetes and you're trying to use this this insulin in a, in a more impactful way. There's a ton that Dexcom does, and you should definitely go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. But let's just go over a little bit of it. There's a share and a follow app, these two different apps. So if you have a loved one with type 1 diabetes using the Dexcom G5, you can follow them on your iPhone or Android and see what's happening with their blood sugar in real time. You see rise and fall alerts. You have this incredible peace of mind that is, well, it's almost not obtainable in any other way with any other device. Of course, your results may vary from mine, but my experience with Dexcom has been amazement. We make adjustments to Arden's blood sugar while she's at school that you just wouldn't get if you were always worried about, oh, she's got to go to the nurse's office three hours from now, and then we'll figure out what's going on. It's like I see 130 diagonal up. I'm like, "Uh oh, I text Arden. Hey, do a little bolus. Next thing you know, bang, right back to where you want it again. Or she's, you know, falling and on her way into the gym. So I say, hey, just drink a juice real quick before you go in there. Arden has not been to the nurse's office at school since she was in second grade, and she's in eighth grade now. And I'm telling you right now, that is completely and utterly because of Dexcom and the adjustments that we're able to make on the fly with the information that it gives. Uh, they also have this app called Clarity where you can track your progress. It gives you all these amazing reports back about your blood sugar and what it's been doing. I can't say enough. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box, find out more, and then head over to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out about that. And that's not just a little finding out. You get a free, no obligation demo pod when you want to try out an Omnipod. Do you know that? They actually send you out the pod. You can put it on and see how you like it. It's fantastic. I mean, talk about like test drive. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Insulin pumps. There's two different kinds. There's what everybody thinks of, you know, this device that's kind of square and whatnot, has a tube that comes off of the tube you have to kind of hide in your clothing. It goes to an infusion set. You have to take it off if you're probably playing sports or going swimming and that kind of thing, getting in the shower. And then there's Omnipod. It's futuristic. It's now. It's today. It's what's happening. It's what the kids love. It's this tiny little pod. It's self-contained. Everything that you need is inside of it. And then there's just a little handheld controller that makes it do everything it does. But you're not connected to that controller. You can stick it in your pocket, in your purse, in a backpack. You are not hanging it on your belt. You're not looking like, you know, I mean, I've seen people with stuff hanging on their belts. That's not the look you're going for. Picture this. You're looking at your Dexcom. It tells you, hey, your blood sugar's going up. You whip out your Omnipod PDM, you push a couple of buttons, you put it away, and you're done. Just like that. I mean, honestly, what are we talking about? 20 seconds to make a small adjustment that gets you to that A1C that you're looking for. These two products are amazing. Now, I know I give you these addresses all the time, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. If you can remember them, great. But if you can't, there's links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. You can click right there and get to these wonderful devices. I really hope you do. Let's get back to heaven. It's usually not the families that have, you know, well-controlled diabetes. It's usually where we're at 9%, 10%, 12% A1Cs. And 
and there's not a communication, there's not a good relationship happening there between the parent and the child and how do you manage this? And so it's always that fine balance. It's like you're on a teeter-totter and we have families on all ends of the spectrum. And so I think we always push for good control, um, but we also have to find a way to maintain that control long-term. Yeah, it's and it's, you know, it's funny, it's gnawing at my head ever since I said, ever since I used the example five minutes ago about like, you know, if there's one kid in the class who's learning slower than everybody else, like there, there's a very, there's a very like feeling part of me. that's like, well, I, I don't want that child to fall behind either. Like, I don't want that. And then I look at the other side and you think of the person on the flip side of it and you say, well, should they be held back to, to find that balance? And it's just, it's a very, right. and then we all try to, then, then I'm and other people are trying to talk about it out in the space so people can hear about mm-hmm. it. And I, I mean, listen, if I gave a podcast for each person, the podcast would have to come yeah. out every three hours, seven days a week, and I'd be just exactly. spending my whole life pontificating about diabetes, which right. I, I'm not able to do. <laughs> um, and so, and so, like, it is my goal, like my hope, I guess, not my goal, that mm-hmm. when, I hope when somebody hears that and they're struggling, that it doesn't beat them up more. I hope it. I I always say this, and I I found myself saying it to somebody in person the other day, like, you shouldn't look at me or anyone else and think, wow, they're doing better than me because I don't think anyone's doing better mm-hmm. than anybody else. I think that you just start your race sooner. So I'm yeah. just, I'm just a mile marker ahead of you. And right. so I've had more experiences when you reach where I'm standing, mm-hmm. you most likely will be in the same position I am. Like it's not, and I think that's the hard thing to remember yeah. and believe in the beginning. And, and sometimes the beginning is in, in, in many, many years is that one day this just won't be your reality like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and to get people to believe that so they can hold, hold on is, is a probably difficult. And my goal with the podcast is to speed people up through that process in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just don't want them to sit in that space any longer than need be, I guess. No, I think people, and they, and they want to be challenged and they need to be challenged at times. And so I think... It's a positive thing yeah. in the end. <laughs> but the other, you know what the other side of it, Heather, is I've watched the last, it's going on the fourth day today. Uh, today. Arden's blood sugar has been like really difficult. And I don't get an opportunity mm-hmm. to talk about it because it doesn't happen like this very often. But I mean, and then I don't also want people to be like, oh, you know, don't, don't tell me that a blood sugar that's stuck at 200 is difficult. But she's been more around 200 for the past four days. And I am, I am just... I'm, I've fallen just short of filling a super soaker with insulin and just shooting, <laughs> just shooting it at yeah. like, like she's getting a lot of insulin. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, and it's, it's been, it's, everything's a struggle. Every time she eats something, I feel like I should give her three times the amount of insulin that makes sense. And, and mm-hmm. I'm trying not to, and I'm not so far, I'm not being afraid, but I do know there's going to be this one moment in the next couple of days where she's going to eat something and I'm going to just push at it the way I've been pushing for the last four days. And the whole need for that insulin is going to be gone for whatever reason. Right. Yeah, and I don't know if she's yeah. growing or if she's, you know, I mean, she's getting to that point where she's going to get her, you know, her period at yeah. some point soon. Right. Like, and all that stuff's coming, but it's just, it, it's, I don't want to say it's not been frustrating, but it is, it is, it has been a little frustrating, but moreover, what I'm seeing is a little bit what you were talking about. People who maybe find themselves struggling more is that normally when we're bumping a blood sugar from 125 to 90, that happens in such a quick 20 second text message that I don't mm-hmm. think Arden's even focused on it. I don't even think she cares. But these last couple of days, 
I've seen her, like we were at a birthday party last night for her cousin, and we just really, I was just bolusing and bolusing and temp basiling and everything. And, and I think at one point I looked at her and I think she considered not eating dinner. And, and like, and I was like, Hey, you know, don't worry. Like I'm going to give you a bunch of insulin. You just eat. So Arden ate chocolate cake after dinner. And I was just like, I was bolusing like she weighed 300 pounds and she was six, <laughs> and she was six feet tall, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it still took the better part of the next five hours for me to get her blood sugar back down again. But I thought that was, mm. I thought that was a reasonable trade off for not making her feel like food was an issue for her. Yeah, you know what I mean. So maybe yeah. I should talk about that more often, but it doesn't come up that often. So yeah, anyway, yeah. it's that balance in diabetes. The only thing that's predictable about it is that it's unpredictable, and so it's yeah. and, and, <laughs> and let me ask you a question. So, as a person who's directing other people, like I find that statement completely valid, and mm-hmm. at the same point, I think if you can stay fluid enough while it's and you have enough. I don't know what the word is, like enough tools in your, in your box maybe like to deal with a bunch of different um, moments that if you can stay fluid and not get rigid, then when it ebbs, you can ebb with it. And, and yeah. right, right. And like, so yeah. I think the mistake people make is like something happens different than it happened for the last week and they get really stuck in why is this happening? And I always, I'm like, mm-hmm. don't, who cares why? More insulin. Right. Don't yeah. stand around for a day and a half going, now I wonder if the kid's sick or this is, I'm yeah. just bolus more. Right. You know, we'll figure and figure it out later, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think too, I mean, for years I've often given parents the advice because um, particularly at nighttime, they'll hesitate to give insulin for a high blood sugar. And I'll usually encourage them. I'm like, listen to your gut. Your gut knows something because you've been living with this child and the diabetes for a while. So do what your gut tells you to do, but don't just do it blindly. Right. Learn from what happens. Stop being afraid of what could happen and face what, what is happening. Is happening. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you can't just, I have that conversation all the time, every day, you know, you're working, you're focused so much on what could happen instead of addressing what is happening today. And I often will tell them, I'm not going to push you to go beyond, you know, what you're comfortable with in the moment, but you need to push yourself. And so baby steps, um, you know, if it's give a little bit instead of none, and if that didn't work, then tomorrow, you know, change it up instead of continually repeating the thing that's not working. And let, me, so, let me dumb that thought down into a situation yeah. because I, my brain is very small and I will dumb that down into something everyone can understand. All right. You're yeah. on the side of a cliff at a river and a tiger's running at you. <laughs> Jumping into the river is a bad idea. Not as bad as standing there waiting for the tiger to maul you, and, right? Because, and be, by the way, by the way, maybe Heather, I will hit my head on the rock when I hit the water and die, but I, <laughs> I've lived five more seconds by doing that. Right. And so, and, like, and, you know, and so, I mean, I really feel like that. Like, you know, there's, you know, I, I tell you, people, I tell them, like, how do you get Arden's A1C so low? And I'm like, I'm stealing hours. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like if, her, oh, yeah. if her blood sugar is 80 overnight, you know, most of the month, and you're wondering how do you get from eight to six? Well, that's how right. I that's how I steal a point and a half out of that eight, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. then and then at school with the texting, it's the same idea. Like you're giving your kid insulin when they go to the nurse at ten a.m., but not going back till one o'clock for lunch. Let's say you missed on that insulin; they've been high for that whole three hours. Now you're bolusing for lunch. Now they're going to be high three more hours. Now you don't get them home till mm-hmm. four o'clock. You just gave away six hours of, of yeah. the, and so I'm stealing those hours out of that. Um, 
And I, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's not like, mm-hmm. I just said to somebody the other day, and I know I repeat myself too much with this one silly statement, but I'm not good at this. Like, I'm not like, trust me, I, I, I don't hand in logs. Um, I don't know the math of, if you ask me what my daughter's insulin to carb ratio right now is, I don't know. I, I just don't like, it's most of this is my feeling from living with it for 10 years. And, yeah. you know, like, like Arden kind of like mm-hmm. the other, it was recently, like I said, she's maturing and everything. And, and we were doing something the other day with it. And she was like, you know what? She's like, I'm just going to, I'm taking over the, my diabetes now. And I said to her, look, that's delightful. I said, <laughs> I said, um, I said, um, I want you to take more control. I said, as time passes, you should get more and more involved and I should get less and less involved. But the fact of the matter is, it took me 10 years to figure this out to the point I have it figured out now. You can't just expect to just start, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's, like you were talking mm-hmm. about, it's, a, it's experiences piled on top of experiences and, right. and being able to not see those experiences as failures, just as data coming back to you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How do you get that? So tell me something. So we're, we're 23 minutes into this. We're going to probably go an hour. Tell me how, because you said something earlier that I don't have an issue with, but I bet you a lot of people do. You use the word control um, in, in as a way to explain it. And by the way, I think that's very reasonable. I think it's a – but a lot of people hear that word and they say, oh, I don't have good control, and then they're insulted by it, which I could get too if I was struggling with it. I would, I would kind of maybe get my back up about it too. But you're in a really awkward situation where how do you – talk to people about that like because i've heard mm-hmm. i've heard diabetes educators say things like listen after a year of this kid's a1c being 12 i just gave up and told him their arms are gonna you know pop off you know what i mean and <laughs> and i'm like i know that's not the answer but you can see actual like despair on the on the the educator's face like they they have tried everything that they they can think to do and they don't have they don't have another yeah. idea. Like they are down yeah. to like trying to scare you, which I think we all agree doesn't work. And, and so, no. so what is that? Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to hear from you a little bit. Like, what does it feel like day to day every 15 <clears throat> or 20 minutes to feel like you're giving person this one piece of advice that is hopefully going to keep them healthy for three months? Is it hard on you? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, your heart breaks, to be honest, because you see situations that they don't have to be that way and that it really wouldn't be that hard to improve. It just takes the smallest of effort to get your A1C below 10%. And we have multiple patients that A1Cs are above that and linger there for the longest time. And, or in that nine, you know, they just get kind of stuck and that's a terrible word to say, but it, it can feel that way. And so I just, I say I'm not a babysitter and that I'm just there to try to empower and to support. And I, I work really hard that when a patient comes in, that they hear something good and positive about what they're doing and that it's not all they hear is because they tune you out the minute you start talking about, Oh, here's all this. This is bad. This is bad. (laughs) All they hear is I'm a bad person. I might as well give up. And that's not, fair to them. And that's not true either. And I, and I remind them of that, what they can do, they have a say in and it's up, you know, they, they don't just, it doesn't just have to be that way and they can make their lives better. And 
and you just try to put that back in their plate and and be their cheerleader at times but you know day after day month you know every three months every month when they come back and it's like oh come on like what is going on like, <laughs> help me help you <laughs> so, what, so who do you see right like so as you're talking yeah. I imagine you see people who can't so maybe because they don't understand well enough don't have the tools maybe they're not even you know I hate to say this like this but not everybody's as bright as everybody else if you put a person who's mm-hmm. taxed you know you know in in everyday life and then you add this disease to them that's more than they can handle. It's more than I can handle. It's more than a lot of people can handle. But if you're already, yeah. if you're already, so there's can't, I imagine, then I imagine there's like don't want to who just won't do it, right? Like they're mm-hmm. just like, I'm not doing this. And mm-hmm. and and don't see the, don't, aren't saying I don't want to with an eye on, I know what bad stuff's going to happen. Just I don't want to. And then as you're talking, I'm wondering like how many people are so bereft that, and I don't want to say like suicidal about it, but so bereft about having the disease that they're just like, I just want this to stop. And yeah. they, do you see all of those things? Well, we, yeah, I mean, we quite big, you know, spectrum. I would say 90% of my patients and I see only peds. So ages baby to probably 21, 22, 90% of my patients that are struggling with their diabetes, desperately want help, and typically from their parents. And that's where our frustration comes in more than that, is that we want the parents to become more involved in their child's diabetes, and the parents are saying, like, they're burnt out, understandably so. They're busy, they're tired, they have other children, they have jobs. And then their 16-year-old child is sitting there saying, I have school and life and I, and they at their age can't comprehend long-term consequences. So they really feel like, Hey, I'm doing just fine right now. What's the big deal? And so, you know, it's usually it's, that's the struggle is that we're, the child is not, their brains aren't fully developed until the age of 25. And so I could sit there all day and tell them all the consequences. They, that's a kind of a waste of our time. So we usually focus on more on how is this affecting the present day. You know, you're probably not sleeping very well. You probably have to go to the bathroom a lot. You're probably more moody. Things bug you more than you realize. You know, you're probably not able to gain weight like you want to or, you know, different things that are affecting their moment. But then it's like, well, what would help you? Would it help you to have someone, you know, helping you do this? And they usually will say yes. Um, But it's hard to get that help for them. and. We try, you know, I will call them or email them if they choose, but there's only so much a 14 or 15 or 16 year old child is going to hang in there unless somebody is constantly helping remind them. And, um, you know, I swear my 15 year old son half the time would forget to brush his teeth if I didn't remind him every once in a while. So I can't imagine with diabetes, you know, it's like, did you take insulin for every single thing you ate when most of your friends around you aren't doing that? You know, a lot of them, that's going to be a struggle. And so it's kind of setting them up for success instead of setting them up for failure. And most of the time, a lot of that was established back when that child was two and three years old, as far as what role does your parent have in your life and what um, what's that communication that you have and what sort of accountability do you have? And we can spend all the time in the world feeling sorry for these kids because they have to do something that's different than everyone else. But that doesn't 
help them. Right. And so we have to help them kind of just say like, hey, this sucks because it does. But this is what I this is what I have to deal with. So we're going to deal with it. And we're going to move on and not make it take over your life, but be a part of your life so that you can live and do things you want to do. Because the harsh reality is, is that you either come to that understanding for yourself personally, or this will, mm-hmm. it will sweep you under at some point. Like, Oh, right. absolutely. I tell kids all the time, I'm like, you avoiding your diabetes makes it re- diabetes is going to rear its ugly head whether you want it to or not so you can avoid it and allow that to happen or just say hey diabetes i am going to have a say in this and and help keep it at bay so that it's not intruding on your day because it will and and it's tough too because you know i know we all know people but the the kind of life planning um ideas that say we'll cross that bridge when we come to it that kind of like that's not uncommon in how people feel and think, you, you know, like I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up about something that's going to happen 18 months from now. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's people who are, are perfectly willing to spend time today thinking about two years from now, you, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and so, yeah. this, and, and then it's tough too, because then those people sometimes get swept up in the, yeah. They, they overthink it the opposite, and then they, yeah. right, they just make themselves mental on the front end instead of the back end. And it's exactly, it's not, listen, I think that, I think the statement here is it's not easy. And, yeah. and so, and that's why I always tell people that I don't, you know, diabetes is not easy. I also think it never gets easier. I just think you no. get insanely better at dealing with it. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make it yeah. easier. And I, that's a distinct, yeah. maybe a word distinction, but I believe that. Like, I, I don't think that mm. I'm having any easier of a time today um, diabetes isn't asking less of me today than it asked five years ago. I just sometimes know what it's going to ask before it asks it. Yeah. And so I can kind of stay ahead a little bit and not feel like I'm being washed under, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Asking the question, when will this get easier is probably the wrong (laughs) word. (laughs) It's going to get easier when they cure it or you die. That'll be it. And so, right. It's it's just like a lovely thought. I was actually just thinking about marriage when I said that. <laughs> just Listen, you sound divorced. You're not going to argue with me. And so, um, <laughs> there you go. So, Heather, we have done a really great job of hiding something, right? So, um, <laughs> at what point in your, how long were you a diabetes educator before? Before life changed again. Before, before one of your children was diagnosed with type one yeah. diabetes. So it was about 10 years, almost to the day. Um, so I started as a diabetes educator in May of 2005. In May of 2015, my then 10-year-old daughter was diagnosed with type 1 um, diabetes. So lot uh, talk about learning on the job once again. So, so is like, being a parent of a child with type 1 completely different than being a person who explains to people about type one? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're very different. How hard is it it to take your own advice? And here's my follow-up question. At what point in your daughter's diagnosis did you think to yourself, Oh my God, I'm, I'm full of crap when I'm talking to these people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Thankfully, I didn't have too many moments where I thought, gosh, I've been giving terrible advice. (laughs) It was more that I actually do. I remember a moment where I I sat down on the steps in the middle of the night and I was ready to 
throw things across the wall. And I thought, what would I say to myself if I called in <laughs> and talked to myself? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to stop. And sometimes being a parent of a child with diabetes, it, it's, I think what I didn't, I, well, I don't know that I didn't understand. I just hadn't experienced it was how it's just the emotions of it. And you're too, there's so many thoughts you feel as a parent, so many responsibilities, so much pressure and, and just all these things that are hard to balance and you don't get a chance to deal with. You just have to deal with the blood sugars and the insulin and your child's emotions and, um, it it was overwhelming for the first definitely for the first few weeks and I had not had that experience either of on the other side of the fence where you know we were in the doctor's office and I've been there when we've told families their child has diabetes and been there in those first moments and and told them that it's going to be okay and that they're going to be able to do this and that it's okay to cry and all those things but I'd never been in the car on the way home from the doctor's office. And that was an experience I, I, it's just, there's no words for it. And my daughter at 10, she understood what was happening. And she was so, I mean, her cries came from the depths of her, just the not wanting this and the why her, and that's not fair. And just, I remember feeling in that moment, like, if I close my eyes, we can be back to two days ago and this was not our reality. And I just wanted to do everything I could to like push back time and go back in time. And every part of my being wanted to pretend this wasn't happening. And so I think the first two weeks I felt that every single day and yet having to not be upset about it in front of her all the time and allowing her to be upset. And I think those are the pieces that I had never had not being a part of personally, it was an eye opener to how much education you can actually remember on day one versus the two weeks later. So, um, and I think in my position too, it was hard because a lot of people were saying things like, oh, you're so lucky. And oh, you must have been expecting this. And, and I thought if one more person tells me I'm lucky, I'm, they're just going to have to watch out because... <laughs> I'll be lucky I won't be dealing this with because I'll right. be in prison. And so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, you yeah. Know, so I spoke at something last week and I, I was I was in front of about 500 people and I told them something I don't think I ever really said in public before. Um, and I'd written it in places and everything, but I never said it to anybody. And, and I was just, um, you know, when, when Arden, we figured out Arden had type one and we kind of looked online as best we could back in 2006 and, we saw these kind of five telltale signs and the fifth one was a blood sugar check. And I went to a, a pharmacy and I, I, I experienced something that I think you just talked about as I stood in the aisle looking at the meters and I had this overwhelming thought that if I just didn't leave this place, she'd never have diabetes. Like if mm -hmm. I could just, if I could commit myself to living in the aisle of this pharmacy for the rest of my life, that my daughter would be somewhere where she yeah. was and then we'd never diagnose her and she could just live in that moment for the rest of her life. Like, and, you know, and it's yeah. a bizarre, oh. stupid thought, but. Um, no, it's very, you know. I had a, when my daughter, the day she was, well, the day before she woke up in the morning, she had had an accident in the night, which was extremely rare for her. And 
And of course, being an educator, my antenna went up and I went to work the next day and I told a friend of mine and we kind of laughed and she's like, oh, she's like, it's nothing. You know, it's nothing. I'm like, oh, I know, I know, I know. But got home that day and my daughter was like, mom, I'm so thirsty today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, stop talking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, here's your water bottle. Let's get in the car. We got to go to soccer. And we couldn't even get to soccer. And she's like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just knew, and I sat watching her play soccer, and I just knew. And I got her home, and I thought, I should check. And I said, no, I'm going to go for a run. (laughs) (laughs) And that whole run, I thought, you know, how long do you think we could go without testing? (laughs) Like, no. And I got her ready for bed that night, and I said, you know, we should check your blood sugar. And I checked it, and I hid the meter from her, and I was like, yeah, we got to check that again. (laughs) She's like, what's the number? What's the number? I'm like... Well, it's just a little high and checked her again and it was 470 and um like yeah well she go to bed and I called my friend who's a nurse practitioner and I'm like yeah her blood sugar is 474 and she's like oh crap <laughs> and did like, you let someone else tell her or did you tell her I told her uh the next so we just stayed home that night because she wasn't in DKA or anything and um I took her in, we got an A1C and it was 9.5. And so I went in the room and I told her. Um, and so it was, yeah, but there was a moment where I thought, you know, could we have bought in a couple extra days? <laughs> Just not think about it for a little while longer. I, um, it's, that's kind of amazing. Like that's definitely a different story than ever. And you know what I find myself wondering as you're telling me, I wonder how many of your patients who were obviously, I'm assuming, all as devastated for you as they could be because they already knew what you were going for, but probably on this little level were secretly like, oh my God, this is great because she's going to understand this better <laughs> and really be able to help us more. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you do talk to people who always say that, you know, especially adults, like, you know, mm-hmm. my, my, the person that helps me with my diabetes is really well intended or they don't understand everything. But then when you get to somebody who says, oh, my CD has type one, they're always, talk about how the care is just ramped up, you know, and because they have a personal understanding of sitting on stairs and wanting to throw something across the, the room yeah. and, 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 <laughs> and where a person who just went and got educated is and really well-intended and doing their best doesn't have that other piece. Um, have you become better at your job since then? Do you think? I think so. I mean, I, sometimes I wonder if my you know, I think I sometimes push people more um, because of it, and does I it, feel. Because it be, does it feel more personal now when they don't, when they're not taking care of their child to the level you feel like they could be? Does it feel like an affront yeah. to your child somehow? Well, I think it's more that um, before my daughter was diagnosed, there was a validity to people's fear, I guess there's always a validity to their fear, but I think I was more like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's be careful. Let's be careful. And I would, I don't, I would say I'm careful, but I'm aggressive. And, um, and I see that it's okay. And so I push them past their comfort zones a little bit more because I can say, before they used to say, well, you don't know what it's like. And now I can say, no, I do know. Sorry to say I'm, yeah. So um, I think, and they trust that, I hope that they trust that I have their best interest at heart. And so when I say that it's going to be okay, that I'm not telling them to do something that will hurt their child, because I wouldn't tell them to do anything I wouldn't do on my own child. And so, it, but. 
it's interesting because like I see like we saw a different educator the last couple of times. There's been like a, a scheduling thing at our, and so the last couple of visits, it's been a younger person who hasn't been at it as long. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes she looks at Arden's A1C and she thinks like, well, what am I going to tell this guy? You know, yeah. like, and so, um, and then I tried to get her help with something the other day and then she was kind of talking about it and then she, she didn't roll her eyes like flippantly. She looked at me like she kind of put her eyes back in the corner, like, I don't know what to say. You, you, you know, and I was yeah. like, well, that's pretty honest. She didn't say it out loud, but like, she looked at me like, eh, I don't know. And, and I was like, oh my God, okay. Um, that's and, super helpful. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'll just, I'm going to go now. Can I just yeah. get one of these A1C machines at my house? Because. <laughs> yeah. I like, oh, I know. I, I think my doctor looks at us like that when we come in. She's kind of like, well, it's 6.1. I don't really know what else to tell you today. <laughs> like, so let excellent. me ask you this, right? How, so. Is your daughter using any of the technologies at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we were on a pump two weeks later and um, and a Dexcam about oh, July after diagnosis. So um, we've already switched pumps. We're on our second pump. So we started out with Medtronic, which um, I loved, and it was a great pump. Um, it was what we were most familiar with, and it's what her dad was using, and mm-hmm. so it seemed... Because we're divorced and she does spend some time with him, we thought it was a good option. Um, And it served us very well, but we had many moments where um, she really hated having her pump attached to her and um, struggled with wearing it. And she went to diabetes camp, which she had for years before she had diabetes with me as a staff kid. And now she was a camper and she saw a kid with an Omnipod and she's like, I want that pump. And so... We trialed it, and she loved it, and um, so we're on the Omnipod now. Please tell people I didn't know that, right, because they're going to think Right, no, you did not know that. I never (laughs) ask people what technology they use before. If you hear people saying all the time, I use Omnipod and Dexcom, just take that as a a hint that that's why I let these two companies buy ads on the podcast, because I believe it. Right. um, No, it's... Because yes. sometimes you say that, I'm like, people are listening. I'm like, oh, my God, how much time must it take him to find mm-hmm. only people who use Omnipod to come on the show? Right. But that is not <laughs> what happens, I promise. Um, no. uh, but so, okay, and so I have a big question for you because I recorded an episode the other day, and these get played all out of order, so God knows if people have heard it or not yet when they are hearing you talk finally. But I tried so hard to talk to a mom whose kid is MDI and with a CGM. Because I get you, you can't imagine how many notes I get from people who are like, I need you to try to tell me how to co-opt what you're doing with shots. And I mm. was like, I, I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm talking about in this realm. When we did shots, we didn't have a glucose monitor, but I do have, I do have the information in my head that I have. I bet you, if I spoke to somebody who was struggling, I would, I would come up with like, oh, I would do this, I would do this. The problem was is that everything I thought of, in, it needed more injections. Like yeah. I, I couldn't personally think of a way without injecting more to duplicate what I'm doing with an Omnipod and a Dexcom. And so now I, you're my last hope. Is it possible or is there just the fact of the matter is that without a pump, you can't do a lot of fine tuning unless you're willing to stick yourself a bazillion times a day? Well, no, I think you're right. I think you'd have to be willing to do multiple, multiple injections throughout the day or or um, really adjust your diet and exercise routine. I think if you were willing to really, really... Restrict carbs. And 
types of carbs, your timing of meals and exercise. I mean, if you could really fine tune that and have a very routine day to day, I mean, you eat at certain times and you don't, you can't graze when you're on shots if you want that kind of control, um, which is how most people eat nowadays, especially kids. So it would depend on what you're willing to do or not do. I, I, you know what, it's sad to hear you say that, but at the same time, I feel comforted because by the time I got done speaking with, with that person where we were trying, she was so nice. Like I kind of put the call out. I was like, Hey, if anybody uses MDI with or without a CGM and you want to come on and you mm-hmm. know, if you're killing it, come tell me how to like, you know, how you're doing it. And if you're not, she's like, she emailed me. She's like, I'm definitely not killing it. And I was like, okay. So I said, <laughs> I said, so she's like, let me come on and maybe we'll figure something out. And, and by the time we got done, I was like, all we figured out is that I was like, you should get a pump. And that was not my intention when we started. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was my intention to think like, oh, there's a way to do this. But, mm-hmm. but you know, but I, but I, what I ended up thinking was, is you're not going to inject your three year old to try to get a 130 blood sugar to 90. Like, I can't imagine you're going to. Yeah, I mean, you could use diluted insulin, or you could attempt to try to do quarters of a unit with syringes, which I have families who have done. Oh, but I, I used to do it too. But I'm yeah. just saying the, the concept <laughs> of like, like, yeah. Absolutely. Jabbing them with a needle Ten to, times try a to, day. Get, to try to get 30 points off. Or, yeah, like it's just, or just say you can't eat that. <laughs> and I don't want, you're right. And, and even the, and as I was talking to her, I'm like, oh, see, she just, she brought up a situation. I was like, oh, there's where I would use a temp basil. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about how inconsistent slow acting insulin really is to begin with. Like it's not some perfect thing you don't put it in and it just works perfectly for 24 hours till you inject it again it's a crapshoot to begin with you you know what i mean and then absolutely uh, and then so i was just like there i'd use a temp base and i finally said i'm like i'm not any help to you i'm so sorry i drug you on here to do this (laughs) (laughs) we just started talking about other stuff because (laughs) throw my hands up (laughs) yeah it was like oh hell this isn't gonna help you at all and so i guess to the people who are out there wondering how do i do this with those tools the answer is at the very least i don't know you know, and so, yeah. and I wish it was, you know, it, I, well, I guess I do know, but you'd have to inject more. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of people who don't mind that, who I'm sure would think that's fantastic. And then. Oh, yeah. I have patients and I have patients that have great control on injections. A lot of them are honeymooners or they're older um, honeymooners. I don't know if people know, but, you know, when you're first diagnosed and your body can still make a little bit of insulin in the background. Yeah. Um, so, or kids who are you know, maybe post puberty or you know, um, cheat, you get to cheat in there a little bit. It's mm-hmm. doing a little bit of the work for you. I just got yep. a message on a social media account while, while you and I are sitting here talking and uh, the person said, um, I should find it. Cause it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's funny, but they said, um, we had a couple of weeks of crazy numbers because the honeymoon is over. And so, you know, there's, <laughs> there's that moment in the beginning and it's see, over. it's funny now prior to CGM, you wouldn't have known, you wouldn't have known the difference. Right. You know, you just would have been like, oh, you know, I, 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 because I was saying to somebody the other day, you know, and I think it's, I brought it up in that, in that episode when I was talking about the MDI, you know, you see people all the time are like, oh, look, I tested four times today and I was always in range. And I always think, you know, you just randomly could have tested it four different times and been out of range. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's, it's the luck of the the draw like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. like like, oh here i happened to test Mm -hmm. right as everything worked out well but two hours ago my blood sugar could have been 250 and because i didn't pre-bolus or i'm or i you know i didn't pre-bolus but i used so much insulin that it eventually came back down again and it's just so um so you're 6.1 with your daughter um 
Do you mm-hmm. agree with like the the sort of things that I talk about on here about pre bolusing and, and oh yeah yeah that it, it, it's yeah. All, is that the key for you? Yeah, I mean, well, I think we you know like for us for breakfast, like I bolus about a half hour before she eats because we struggle with that breakfast spike and um still a little bit, but um it's a lot of because we have the sensor, so it's a lot of overriding what our pump recommends and following those arrows and um no we do a lot of very some very similar things and i tell patients all the time buy yourself hours buy yourself hours so a big key for us is overnight as well um trying to get in that target range so i I can't say that we don't have lows because we do um we try to minimize them and not have super bad lows but um i think you have to tolerate a little bit of that trend um in order to get that good control but well, I had to watch Arden last night. I mean, like I told you, she's it's been tough the last couple of days. So yeah. as I'm dumping insulin on her all day, I kept saying to my wife, I'm like, this, these chickens are going to come home to roost at some point. You know? <laughs> and they, sure enough, they never come home till after she closes her eyes and goes to sleep. She right. can stay up yeah. at 1 in the morning. Her blood sugar will stay high. Then she'll close her eyes and it'll go down. If she went to bed at 10, it would have went down then. you know. And yeah. so, so she gets in bed. She goes to sleep. And I'm like, oh, this is fine. Like I even had the nerve to watch a 150 diagonal up and go, this is going to come back. I know it is. And it came back and, um, you know, then it it settled in and I was like, I am winning. And then it was, you know, it was like at 110 and it was stayed steady at 110 for a while. Then all of a sudden I saw the diagonal down arrow and I was like, oh, come on. And then it it leveled at 95 and I was like, this is maybe, right? And then so there was this moment right then and there. I was like, I'm going to try a temp basil off. But then I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? It's not going to work because if she's going to get low, it's going to happen really soon. That temp basil is not even going to touch it. And if she's not going to get low, oh, I'm going to do a sender back up again and be basiling, uh, bolusing. Right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit here for another couple of minutes in my bed, making my eyes go bad, looking at my iPad, waiting <laughs> to see what happens, right? And sure enough, it was like 90 and stable right to 71 arrow down. I went, oh, and it got out of my was like, I was like, So I gave her half a juice because I didn't want to overtreat. And... I got back in bed and my wife's like, how'd that go? I said, I used half a juice. It's not going to be enough. She goes, why didn't you do the whole one then? I'm like, because I am hopeful. <laughs> so, so it wasn't enough. And, um, you know, the arrow, I stopped the arrow at about 66 diagonal down, but then it hung, hung, hung. And then I, then I cut off the basil and then I thought, oh, this is going to work. And then it stayed for a while, but then boom. You know, I went back in there and tested her, and she was 50, and it said she was falling again. I gave her the rest of the juice. I turned her basil off for longer. I finally got the climb back up to 95, and I felt like I won something. But I even Ooh. knew overnight at some point, this is gonna if this isn't over yet, it's going to happen. And so sure enough, at like 4.30 in the morning, she just went from like 110 to 225 out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. I was like, all right. So then I went in, and I gave her a whole bunch of insulin. I thought I had it under control by the time she left for school. She's running around a little late. She doesn't usually eat too much in the morning. And she's like, can I just grab something on the way out the door? And I was like, yeah, yeah, just bowl us for it, you know? And so she grabs this little pack of, like, these five little chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to go well. I know, like, <laughs> I know it's not. And, like, so I'm not bolusing enough ahead of time. But, like I said, in this in this space of time right here with the, um, you know, with the struggle, because she's she's stuck a little high, I'm, I'm, it is my bigger goal not to make her feel um, like food's the issue. So yeah. I just said, look, you're probably just growing. And so it's all good. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. So, you know, so she jumped up. To, I ended up giving her a lot of insulin right before you and I got on. I, I don't usually bolus that much insulin while she's at school unless it's for a okay. meal. But I gave her like three units of just a bolus to try to get like a, yeah. two, a 220 under control. When you and I started talking, she's 170 diagonal down now. So right. it's just – and that's the yeah. other thing too. Like I, I've really like learned like – I used to have these moments where I'd go in and I'd be, I'd say to her in the car, like, Oh, your A1C is going to go up. Like it definitely is. Don't, you know, like, don't worry about it, but don't be shocked by it. And then it never does, yeah, you know, and then it really hit me. If you're doing really well for three months and one of the weeks in there, it's almost like marriage again. If you do really well for 30 years, but 10 of the years are just okay. Still a good marriage. Right. And so right, like, <laughs> We're still making it. <laughs> I had 10 good years, 10 eh years, and 10 eh years, five really shit years. And like, yeah. like, you know, but like, but in the overall, still good. And so oh. I, I thought about that. I think about it like that, like 30 days, mm -hmm. if, if one week scattered out over a couple days here and there, we're really off. It's not going to, it's not going to hurt that much. And, yeah. and it really doesn't. So that's helped me not to kind of get encumbered, yeah. encumbered by it, I guess. Well, and A1C is only one measure of, you yeah. know. Success sure. and health, and but no, I, 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 well, because of what I do for a living, I feel like our A1C is like a job performance review. Like, you know, her daughter has an eight, we have to get rid of her, she doesn't know what she's yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah it's unfair to you, <laughs> and I think too, we don't talk enough about that. You know, there's a million different yeah. ways to be healthy in and around your A1C, and I don't tie, I don't say that Arden's doing great just because of the A1C, it's just one factor, right. yeah, you, you know, yeah. and so. Um, but it is the one factor that comes with. But well, we number. can quantify yeah, it, yes. Yeah, right, so right. it's it's absolutely mm -hmm, so. Mm -hmm. So now I have to remember to go back and edit out where I said a bad <laughs> word at fifty-five minutes. Let me just make a note to myself there with Heather. It was a little word, but still, I can't leave it in there because we call the we call the episodes clean. You were really great. Thank you for doing this. I thought. After it took us four months to get together, I was just like, sometimes the ones you struggle to make happen the worst are just like you get on and no one has anything to say and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't even use this. Uh, but, use but, <laughs> but you really were fantastic. Like, oh, and thank you very much. I guess if you can't talk about this, what the heck? Then I'm really in trouble. You're in yeah. trouble, right? right? I, I would want to say one more thing, though, that would be I, maybe helpful to some of your listeners. But um, because my son is in trial net. Mm -hmm. Um, and my kids both have been in trial net for, um, quite a long time. My daughter actually was tested when she was two and her antibodies were negative at that time. And my son has always had one positive antibody. So we've redrawn him a few times and his last redraw in April was positive for four antibodies, uh, four out of five. And so the next step in trial net is to do what's called an oral glucose tolerance test of which he failed. And so he is technically classified as having diabetes, um, but not needing insulin yet. And so he's going to be 16 in a couple months. But so we know that he will end up with insulin one day. We don't know when, but um, I know a lot of people struggle with whether to test their other kids or not. And um, I've found it to be a benefit to us. And literally two nights ago, we were sitting, um, we all came down with colds this weekend. And I kind of joke with him. I'm like, we're trying to avoid you getting sick. We don't want to activate your immune system in any way. If we can. <laughs> he sat there and he looked at me and he goes, mom, you know, 
if me getting sick causes me to have diabetes now, he's like, I'm okay with that. He's like, that's okay. And it's going to be fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I really didn't realize care. you were the adult, but thank you. <laughs> I I'm your panicky. Like, um, but um, it, you would think it's something that haunts us day to day. Like it's coming, it's coming. And I have to say it's actually done the opposite. It used to be more that is it going to happen? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? And we know it's going to happen, and so we don't even think about it, actually. I haven't changed his diet. We don't do anything different. We're just living our lives. Um, And we go in every six months, and he gets tested. He's gotten to wear the Dexcom a couple times as part of the study. Um, So, And he's learned to test his own blood sugar. I mean, he's easing into it. And so, and there are some really, really quality... um, uh, studies right now that we hope to eventually qualify for that could maybe delay his diabetes. I ideally would love it to get in, him into college before, but, or even out of college. <laughs> Every month we go without insulin is a gift. And so I just want to throw that out there. It's a personal choice and everybody has to find their time, but um, it's, that has been our experience. Yeah. And that's so, a real, that's not a theoretical experience. That's a, that's a real, those, those are real it's the real deal. <laughs> I know I, I interviewed uh, trial, the people from trial that going back a number of episodes, people can listen to and it. It was a while ago now, but those, uh, they said that they were working on a home kit, which I don't know if is available yet, but if you, yeah, yeah, yeah you can usually get it drawn. Well, I think they were working on where you could just do a finger stick at home yeah. and send it in. But we, yeah, I think there was some that we've just gone into our local lab. We do numbing cream so he doesn't mm-hmm. have to have any anxiety around the blood draw. And um, so it's always, he actually has found it to be a, a good experience. And the information he's found intriguing. Now he's a little older. That's different. But um, it's it's been a positive well, uh, you know, I, I see your point, and I, my son's done trial net a number of times when he was younger, but he hasn't done it recently. And I, as you're saying it, I feel like, wow, we should do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard because years ago I used to say, "What's the point?" Even if you know, like, you, of course you'll know if you're, you would know if he had diabetes. I mean, you'd you'd see the symptoms, you'd test, you'd get him in, and the, there wasn't a lot of good studies years ago that I would have felt like I would have enrolled my kids in. And now things have improved dramatically, and there are some really good studies. Right now, there's kind of a lull for some of them, but um, I, I believe in what they're doing and what they're figuring out. And if you can delay or know that you're, you know, I don't know, the biggest goal is to prevent that DKA, to find diabetes early, and the hope is to maintain that honeymoon as long as you can. Yep. No, yep. I know. That's that. I, I completely agree with you. I appreciate yeah. you bringing it up. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, Heather, I'm gonna. You did great. Heather said she was getting over a cold. She wasn't sure how she was gonna sound, but she sounded fantastic. And uh, and I think a lot of the, I, a lot. I think everything you said was just really valuable. And so I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. And thanks for all that you do. So. Uh, I don't do anything. I just am sitting here talking to you. So uh, you're, you're, you're the one sharing your story. So thank you very much. Awesome. Have a great day. Thanks. You yeah. too. How amazing was this? Heather's a certified diabetes educator. She's an RN. She's working with people just like you. Then her daughter's diagnosed. It, it, 
amps up her understanding. And now you find out at the very end of the podcast, her son has the genetic markers and he is very likely, if not absolutely going to get type one diabetes at some point. This episode was fantastic. I don't care what you think of it. I think it was fantastic. I'm kidding. I care what you think. I care so much that I hope you go to your podcast app, wherever you listen and leave a beautiful rating and a review of the show. As many of you have done, which warms my heart. Okay, uh, don't forget at the beginning I was talking about there's going to be t-shirts, Bold with Insulin t-shirts. I'll be giving you information on how to find those if you want them very soon. Um, you know, I want to thank Heather for certain for coming on the podcast, telling her story, her family's story. I want to definitely say thank you to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show. Please click on the links in your show notes or follow the links I was telling you about earlier to find out more. And, oh, I put two episodes out this week, so sometimes your podcast app won't show that. So this is episode 128, but there's also episode 129 available right now. I hope you download them both and enjoy them for the weekend. I will see you guys very soon.